let's find uh, Jonah. We're going to look tonight at the inside story. <laughs> Chapter 1, verse 17. Ready? Now the Lord provided a huge fish to swallow Jonah. And Jonah was in the belly of the fish three days and three nights. From inside the fish, Jonah prayed to the Lord his God. He said, in my distress, I called to the Lord and he answered me. From deep in the realm of the dead, I called for help and you listened to my cry. You hurled me into the depths, into the very heart of the seas, and the current swirled about me. All your waves and breakers swept over me. I said, I have been banished from your sight, yet I will look again toward your holy temple. The engulfing waters threatened me. The deep surrounded me. Seaweed was wrapped around my head. To the roots of the mountains I sank down. The earth beneath barred me in forever. But you... Lord my God, brought my life up from the pit. When my life was ebbing away, I remembered you, Lord, and my prayer rose to you, to your holy temple. Those who cling to worthless idols turn away from God's love for them, but I, with shouts of grateful praise, will sacrifice to you. What I have vowed, I will make good. I will say, salvation comes. From the Lord. That's his second great confession in the book, verse 9 being his first confession of chapter 1, and then uh, verse, verse 9 of chapter 2, also his second great uh, confession. Listen to this story I came across. By college, Michelle Akers had become an all star soccer player, earning ESPN's. Woman Athlete of the Year in 1985. The same year that the United States formed its first women's national team with Michelle being a starter. In 1991, the U.S. team won the first ever Women's World Cup and Michelle scored 10 goals in five games, including the championship game's winning point. She signed an endorsement deal and became the first woman soccer player to have a paid sponsor. She played professionally in Sweden. Her drive and tenacity were beginning to pay off. She even tried out as a place kicker for the Dallas Cowboys. But just as her star power was rising, Michelle's health began to decline. By 1993, the woman who used grit and determination to make life happen for her found, found that her life and her health had become almost unmanageable. She says, and I quote, Each day I felt like I'd flown to Europe with no food or sleep and then flown right back and trained for hours. It was discovered she suffered from chronic fatigue and immune dysfunction syndrome, a debilitating disease affecting more than a million adult, uh, adults in America. She says, when it was really bad, I couldn't sit up even in a chair. 
The racking migraines stranded me at home, unable even to get up to brush my teeth or to eat. For the first time, she couldn't rely on her strength and her athletic abilities, the two things she'd always fallen back on. And so she had to find new ways to cope. She says again, I quote, I couldn't bear not to be the best in the world, not to be the one who could bounce back from any injury. It was the only me I'd ever known. Her marriage of four years broke up in 1994, and she had just about reached the end of herself. I was so sick I couldn't take a five-minute walk without needing two days on the couch to recover. I was forced to spend a lot of time thinking about who I was, and I was beginning not to like who I was. She says she had put her faith in Christ as a high school student, but had ignored God in college and after graduation, and she had gone her own way living in disobedience. But now, sick and all alone, she reluctantly accepted an invitation from a strength coach to attend his church, Northland Community Church in Longwood, Florida. Although she couldn't have articulated at the time, in retrospect, Michelle says she knew that she needed to get things right with God. Looking back, she explains, I think God was gently and patiently tapping me on the shoulder and calling my name for years, but I had continually brushed him off saying, Hey, I know what I'm doing. I don't need God. I can make these decisions. Leave me alone. It took devastation before finally I came to the end of myself and said, okay, God, you can have my life, whatever you want. Sounds a lot like Jonah's story, right? Can I just say one thing? Yeah. Uh, and I don't think this is divulging anything. Okay. Um, I recently, as an attorney, represented Michelle. Oh, wow. Uh, as a pro bono. Okay. Um, someone was trying to take advantage of her famous, one of the, well, maybe the greatest American women's soccer player of all time. And I will tell you that, um, I don't know when those statements were, but she embodies that still today. Um, That's very much her character and her perspective. Okay. And it was very encouraging and, for me. And so I was really happy to hear that. This, com- this, this testimony comes from 2002. Yeah. Uh, this was probably 2018, 2019 that I... Okay. Wow, well, how about that? <laughs> Give an illustration about a national figure. It's really being... fantastic in, in just the ways that you said. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. That's great. Say what? Nothing, nothing. Just, we didn't all hear it over here. Oh, Ben, the lady I was talking about, the soccer star. Ben has been her lawyer recently. Somebody was trying to take advantage of her fame, and he represented her. And said this testimony about her is very, very true. Holds true today. Wow. Would any common person ever need an attorney, would you be willing to help? That's a neat testimony. Wow. That wouldn't happen again in a million years. <laughs> but anyway. Not a one in what? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, exactly. 
kind of, like I say, modern-day Jonah. Thought she could go her own way and would be okay. Now, did God directly bring on Michelle her health problems to get her attention? Well, I'm not saying that, but God did allow it. And God used her health problems to get her attention. He had a purpose in it. Well, folks, as we study the book of Jonah, we do know because we're told that God prepared a wind and a storm and God prepared a large fish to swallow Jonah because he was disciplining his wayward and disobedient prophet. So in Jonah's case, we know that God directly brought all these things, all these troubles on Jonah to wake him up, to get his attention. Now, we're going to see today that God disciplines us, but he doesn't leave us. He hears us when we cry to him in our distress. And he's the God of the second chance. Amen? Well, the first thing I want you to see tonight is Jonah's distress. Somebody read verse 17 again. And the Lord appointed a great fish to swallow up Jonah, and Jonah was in the belly of the fish for three days and three nights. Great. Thank you. Jonah's got a real problem now, doesn't he? <laughs> he only thought he had problems when God was calling him to go to Nineveh. Actually, that would have been a blessing. But now he's in deep, deep trouble. He's at the bottom of the ocean. He's in a whale of a mess. <laughs> Jonah has gone his own way, and it hasn't turned out so good, has it? Look, Just look down through the text in chapter 2 at some of the statements that are made. From deep in the realm of the dead, in the Hebrew, in the realm of the dead is literally Sheol. In the Old Testament, the place of the dead. From, from Sheol, out of the belly of Sheol, I cried, your translation may say. Keep reading these statements. For you cast me into the deep, into the heart of the seas, and the floods surrounded me. The waters closed in over me to take my life. Seaweed has wrapped around my head. Very picturesque language, isn't it? Now, as I mentioned to you in our first message on Jonah, we should have no problem whatsoever fully trusting this account. So many people want to doubt the authenticity of the book of Jonah because of beginning right here in the story, verse 17, a large fish swallowing Jonah. The Hebrew is broad enough. It could mean a large whale or a large fish of some sort. You know, Jesus never doubted this story. In fact, uh, he used it as an illustration. Jonah, Jonah was a picture of Christ, a type of Christ in ways, right? Not in some ways because Jonah was disobedient, but in some ways Jonah was a type of Christ. Because as he was in the belly of the whale or the fish for three days and then spit back out life from the dead, so to speak, 
Jesus used that as an analogy of his death, burial, and resurrection. So he never doubted the story of Jonah. That ought to set the record straight for us right there and then. You know, we don't need to argue, is this a real story or not? If Jesus accepted it and we believe he's sovereign God, that ought to be good enough for us. As I also told you, there are some modern-day accounts. You've got to be careful as you read them. Some of them uh, are bogus, but some of them have been authenticated. Of occasions, a few occasions, I think specifically in the late 1800s, I believe it was, a man who was swallowed by a whale off the coast of the Balkan Islands. There, there's, there's one book that has written about two different kinds of fish. Could have very well been what God used. One is the sulfur bottom whale. The other is the whale shark. Neither of these have any teeth. They, and they feed in an interesting way. They open their enormous mouths and they rush through the water at great speeds they strain out the water and they swallow whatever is left. Now the sulfur bottom whale that can reach as much as 100 feet long, uh, one of them was captured off of Cape Cod in 1933. His mouth was 10, 10 to 12 feet wide. They said it was easily big enough, this one in particular could have swallowed a, a horse. And these whales have four to six compartments in their stomachs, any of them large enough for multiple men. And the head of this whale is a wonderful and a large air chamber, an enlargement of the nasal sinus cavity, often measuring seven feet high, seven feet wide, and 14 feet long. If he has an unwelcome guest on board who gives him a headache, the whale swims to the nearest land and gets rid of the offender. One account tells of a shark 15 feet long found in the stomach of one of these sulfur-bottomed whales. But you know, again, even modern-day accounts like that and figuring out what kind of whale or fish it could have been. It's, it's interesting, but it's not really necessary because if you believe Genesis 1-1, that in the beginning God created all that is, you shouldn't have any trouble believing that God could have even created a special kind of fish or whale to carry out this particular assignment. Well, here's Jonah inside this creature, whatever it is, and what's got him into this mess? Direct disobedience. Folks, we can get ourselves in some fine messes, can't we? Maybe you've learned that sin and disobedience rarely deliver what they promise. You know, that's a lie that the devil tries to get us to buy into, right? That we can disobey God and succeed at it and even flourish at it. That goes back to the garden, right? Where God said to Adam and Eve, you can be like God. 
Just take this and eat it. Your eyes will be open and you'll be like God. Well, Eve took and ate and gave to Adam. He ate. And indeed, the eyes of both of them were opened. But it didn't turn out the way Satan had promised. He's a liar. That's why in John chapter 8, Jesus said of Satan that he is a liar and the father of lies. Disobedience to God never ends up being a very pretty picture. And we could probably have some testimonies in here tonight about that. But while Jonah's problems were a result of his own doing, we saw last week uh, that all kinds of things can put us in distress. It's not always our sin. Jesus said, in this world you shall have tribulation. We live in a fallen world. Just by nature of living in a fallen world, bad things happen. In the book of Philippians, Paul says, it has been granted to you to suffer. God may cause you to suffer and be in distress because you follow him. And he has some lessons to teach you. James in James chapter 1 beginning there in verse 2 says that life is dotted with trials and that trials come in all different sizes and shapes. And again, James points out God has a purpose in it. It's to build maturity and character in us to help us to endure in this life. I wonder tonight if I'm talking about somebody in here who's in distress. Well, if you are, what's your reaction to it? How are you responding? Because that's where differences in people really shine through, isn't it? How they respond to trials and tribulations. Some people suck it up. They try a little bit harder to dig out of the hole themselves. Some people turn to drugs or alcohol or other means of escape. They just kind of want to go through life sort of numb. But look at what Jonah did. Let's turn secondly to, to see his dedication and what an example that is to us. It says, from inside the fish, Jonah prayed to the Lord his God. He said, in my distress, I called to the Lord, and he answered me. From deep in the realm of the dead, I called for help, and you listened to my cry. What's Jonah doing here? He's humbling himself before God. He recognizes that he had a problem. His disobedience has gotten himself in this mess. And out of this humility, what did that lead to? It led to prayer. He turned to the Lord. He prayed. Now, when he turned to the Lord and prayed... Did he find a deaf ear? No. I tell you what, folks, no matter how low you are, no matter how disobedient you've been, if you repent and come to and humble yourself before God, God hears your cry. We just studied the book of Judges on Wednesday night and, and how everybody was doing as they saw fit in their own eyes. That was the problem that they were facing and they would end up in a mess. And God would bring oppression upon them. 
And God would let them suffer for a number of years under that oppression until they humbled themselves before God. And then God would send them a judge, a deliverer. This happened seven times in the book of Judges. And yet every time when they truly turned to the Lord, He heard them in their distress and He delivered them. Did they deserve God's deliverance? Did they deserve God answering their prayers? No, but God in His grace did so anyway. And that's exactly what we see here with Jonah. God is giving Jonah a second chance. You know, let me say that this ought to be a good lesson to us too, that don't, don't go through your life just giving people around you what you think they deserve. Aren't you glad God didn't give you what you deserve? The way God's character, when we, when we see God's attribute here, His long-suffering, His patience, His mercy, His love for Jonah. This ought to be a lesson to us that we need to emulate that attribute of God. And those around us who don't deserve it, we still ought to care about them. The book of Jonah, I reminded you too, is not about Jonah primarily. It's not about the whale. Not about the Ninevites primarily. The book of Jonah is about who? It's about God. In four chapters, God shows up. You want to guess how many times God shows up in four chapters? Anybody want to take a guess? Four times. Four times? Keep going. Come the Word of God. 38 times God shows up in four chapters. God is concerned about the lost and the wicked Ninevites, so he commissions his prophet. His prophet runs. He sends a storm on the sea. He prepares a great sea creature to swallow Jonah. He preserves Jonah inside the creature. He has the sea creature spit Jonah up. All through the book, God is showing up doing certain things. Again, he didn't have to hear Jonah. Jonah had messed up. He doesn't have to hear us, but he does. But look at what Jonah did that is a wonderful testimony to us. It, it's his humility and his repentance. You remember what King David said in the 66th Psalm about sin and iniquity in his heart? Anybody remember? If I regard iniquity in my heart, God won't hear me. If, if I'm just going to keep on in that iniquity and treasure that sin and continue in that disobedience, God won't hear me in that case. That's what Isaiah is also talking about in Isaiah 59. God says, do you think my... Do you think my hand is so short that it can't 
reach out and save you and deliver you? He says, no. But your iniquities have kept me from working in your life. But if like Jonah, you humble yourself before God, you're ready to make a U-turn, guess what? God's there and meets you. Just like in the story of the prodigal son. When the prodigal son came back, the father was waiting and ran to his son. The Bible says that God is a present help in time of trouble. He's not just a future help. Yes, he's going to be a future help. We have a home in heaven. We know that reading the saints, reading about the saints in the Bible, he's been a past help. We see that on the pages of Scripture. But not only is he simply a future help or a past help, but the Bible says he's a present help in time of trouble. The psalmist said, I call to the Lord in my distress. And that's what Jonah is doing. You think about a parable Jesus told in Luke chapter 18 about a Pharisee and a publican. The Pharisee was proud. He called on God. Guess what? Because of his pride, he didn't go home justified. But the publican recognized his sin. In fact, he wouldn't even lift his eyes up to God. He wasn't worthy. And, and Jesus said that God said of this one, he's the one who went home justified. Humility. Humility. Pastor, I just have to give a testimony. Okay. Um, when I went through a divorce, mm -hmm. it just ruined my family. That, that would happen to me. And so when Joe and I married, that was terrible that I remarried. And I went through pure hell, you know, just wallowing in my self-pity. And one day I heard a sermon, I couldn't tell you what he said, but when I got home, I remember, piano is for me kind of calms you, you know, and I was sitting there at the piano, and I said, Lord, if you don't want me in this home, you've got to take me out of it, because I love these kids. And I love Joe, and I can't do it on my own. Mm. And it was just like he said to me, I wanted to know I was first. There you go. And then, uh, this never has made me think of that before, yeah. but it kind of brought to my mind. Yeah. Scripture says God opposes the proud, but gives grace to the humble. Jonah didn't turn to self-help and self-reliance. He turned to the Lord. And then in verse 9, that second great confession of faith, he says salvation comes from the Lord. We can't save ourselves from sin. We can't save ourselves from many of our problems. But God can. What do we see in the 23rd Psalm that David says about God's leadership? He will lead us in the paths of righteousness for what? For his namesake. God's putting his reputation on the line with his children who humbly come to him. But again, we've got to humbly go to him. There's got to be repentance. Jonah repents of his sin. He vows to do what he should have done in the first place. 
He doesn't humble himself before God and say, God, I'm sorry, and then continue in his rebellion. You know, a lot of people think that's what sorrow is. I, hey, I'll apologize to God for it, but I'm going to keep doing it. That's not godly sorrow. Jonah was a changed man. Now, not changed enough yet, as we'll see in chapter 4. But he is a changed man. And he's ready to be used of God. Have you acknowledged your disobedience, your rebellion, your sin? Have you humbled yourself before the Lord? and turn to Him in repentance and faith. If you have, based on 1 John 1, 9, you can be assured of God's forgiveness. And you can also be assured that you're a vessel in God's hands that God will use for His purposes. All of this testing of Jonah, all of this discipline was ultimately for His good. I want you to remember that. In 1990, uh, yeah, 1993, the Galeras Volcano, located in Colombia, uh, South America. You haven't represented anybody in that case, have you? Okay. <laughs> it suddenly erupted. One week later, a geologist by the name of Dr. Fraser Golf was sampling gas vents on the, uh, the canyon west side of the volcano and the guy that was with him jokingly said, I want you to look at the gold. Well, Dr. Golf picked up some of the rocks and took out some of the special cutting tools he had and cut some of those rocks in slices. And guess what he found? There was real gold. In fact, quite a bit of it. This was the first time scientists had detected visible gold particles in an active volcano. More than a year later, Dr. Golf announced that the Galeras volcano, which remained active, was spewing more than a pound of gold each and every day into the atmosphere and depositing 45 pounds of gold a year into the rocks lining its crater. He explained that the, the magma from inside the earth has many components, including gold. And he estimated that there is a gold vein at the base of a volcano. This one in particular, he said, is at least 10 feet wide. And what is it? It's the heat and the pressure from the volcano that's literally bringing the gold to the surface. That's what God's doing in Jonah's life, right? The heat and pressure that his disobedience brought him, the trial. God's using that. And he's bringing gold forth from Jonah's life. Again, that's what James says in James 1, God does. Peter uses that very analogy in, in 1 Peter about trials. And how it's like pouring the dross off and emerging forth with, with pure gold. Well, in verse 10, I want you to see Jonah's deliverance. If God has you in a well of a mess and you learn, God knows exactly when and where and how to get you out of it. 
Just as God's able to turn the thermostat up, turn the heat up in your life, the same God is able to turn the thermostat back down when you've learned your lesson, right? God is more than able to finish what He starts. Last week, you'll remember I talked about Paul on board that shipping vessel. And God had an assignment for Paul. Paul was to go to Rome and bear witness. That was God's appointment for Paul's life. It wasn't going to be easy for Paul to get there. He was going to have to endure a lot of trials and tribulations and opposition and even the, the shipwreck. But he was indeed going to take the gospel to Rome. That was, that was God's assignment to him. And so that's why Paul is able to write to the Philippians. In Philippians chapter 1, verses 18 and following, he's assuring the Philippians, stop worrying about me. I'm here under house arrest in Rome, but I'm preaching the gospel here, and I wouldn't have had this opportunity any other way. This was God's destiny for me. This was God's plan, His purpose. So God is able to deliver us and carry us on to do the purpose He has for us. Well, maybe tonight I'm talking to somebody who you feel like you're in a well of a mess. How'd you get there? How'd you get there? You need to think about that. Was it rebellion? Was it sin? Whatever the reason for your mess, you need to turn to God. You need to humble yourself before God and truly repent and go before Him. Turn to Him for His mercy. And whatever it is that God is asking you to do in His strength, do it. And God will give you a second chance. We're going to see next week in chapter 3, verse 1, Then the word of the Lord came to Jonah a second time. Go to the great city of Nineveh and proclaim it the message I give to you. You see, the assignment's still the same. Still the same. Jonah's still got to do what he was called to do. So whatever mess you're in, if you know sin and disobedience, turn to him. Ask him for a second chance. But whatever it is you are running from, do what he was calling you to do. Remember that the scripture says he will never leave you nor forsake you. Whatever he calls you to do, he will enable you to do it. God's enablements come with his assignments. Any questions before we close tonight? Sometimes, sometimes God speaks in a small voice, but other times He had got to hit you over the head. Oh yeah. Listen, there was a fellow like uh, uh, Jim Brock was called. Uh, God was definitely calling him. He was a man, talented man, like Robbie, like you have working here, mm -hmm. very talented. And uh, God was calling him to go to Africa, and he says, "You know, God, it doesn't make any sense." 
I've been giving to the church, helping the church, tremendous auto mechanic and everything. Got it. And he says, you got you really have to show me, you know. And he wasn't really testing God. He was just wanting the, God to reveal himself a little more clear. God burnt down his whole business, the whole automobile business and everything. And that was definitely, a, you know, he said, I know, I know. So he went to he went to Africa for many years, and then the worst part was Chad, you know, definitely a horrible, horrible place. And uh, he, his kids grew up there, and he, he dug wells, and uh, his uh, one, one child was uh, dealing with the, the natives there. Uh, he was on a um, radio program Unshackled because of uh, what, uh, what occurred there between him and the he was, well, it's a, it's a story, I don't want to go into it, but, but uh, he just uh, had a tremendous ministry, but God had to hit him over the head. Yeah. But uh, I know the Bible says he speaks in a small voice, but sometimes, like Jonah, he hits you over the head. Yeah. He uses some pretty drastic circumstances that yeah. Yeah. wake you up. Yeah. You know, in the, uh, in the bottom of the I was in a, the, uh, the, the boat was in, uh, it came ashore, it was a wreck, and we had to go inside of it, and all rotting fish. Mm. Well, I mean, <laughs> it doesn't mention about the smell, but it was horrible. Mm. <laughs> so <laughs> Jonah had to go through that for three days, I didn't know me. Now, remember what we said last week, too. John wasn't afraid of failure, was he? He was afraid of success. He was afraid the Ninevites would listen and God would save them. He didn't want them saved. He hated them. A lot of times we disobey because we are afraid of failure. But John was the opposite. Okay. Let's, uh, let's go back to our prayer list. <clears throat> Brother Bill, would you get us started in our prayer time tonight on this list? And then I'll close us, but I'll give others opportunity as well. Pray for 
the people that have been mentioned here tonight have request many, many, many requests. We know that you know each one, each situation, and how to deal with it. Especially hurt by some of the, the deaths we've had in our church recently. Thank Harvey so special to me. Let's pray that you would bless Shirley and her family, strengthen her her exactly what she needs to get through this. I know it's a, it's a bad time, especially here at Christmas, to lose a little just pray for your comfort Any others? Lord, we, we thank you for who you are. And we know you see our, our every need. And Lord, I thank you how many of the, all the religions in the world would consider this blasphemy that we could speak to, to the Lord of creation without sacrificing, without doing certain things. And, and uh, Lord, we are we're truly blessed. We know that Jesus paid the price and we can come before you Boldly, we, we Lord, we just ask that you would uh, uh, touch the touch the lives of all those who mentioned in the, in the prayers uh, requests tonight. There's some that lost loved ones, and some that are 
uh, recovering from surgery and some are depressed, Lord, and you are sufficient in all these uh, needs, Lord. It just, uh, um, we, we thank you what a great God you are, and we, you, we pray we really uh, uh, minister to those uh, on our list and minister to us, Lord, that we would uh, listen to your voice and not be rebellious, Lord, because uh, uh, you are holy and you want to, uh, you want us to be uh, uh, holy, um, righteous in your sight, and Lord, we, <laughs> uh, you've done it all, Lord, but um, help us be a, help us be more appreciative of it by obeying you and in things you'd have us to do and, and say and listen to your voice in Jesus name we pray any others You know, folks, when we think about sin and disobedience, we think of these dramatic cases like Jonah. But think with me a moment about your own life. How about in the little everyday things that God calls you to do as a Christian? That's an occasion for obedience. It may not seem like a huge assignment. But when you look at all those daily things and the way they add up, it is a big assignment to live for Christ in this dark culture. Loving your neighbor, ministering to people, being a witness, discovering your spiritual gift and using it, Loving the Lord the way you should. Those are all invitations for obedience. Just as surely as Jonah was invited to serve the Lord. Are you obeying God? Are you being responsive? Do you have ears to hear what the Lord is saying to you in those everyday matters? Father, give us ears to hear what your Holy Spirit is saying to us. That we will be salt and light in this world. That we will live for Christ and do what you've called us to do. And Lord, if we're obedient as a lifestyle, it may be that we will see you give us a big assignment. But you're not going to do that if we disobey you as a way of life. So Lord, help us to be a pliable people in your hands, like clay in the potter's hands. God, I pray that daily that you would shape and mold us to be in the person and the people you called us to be. And Lord, just like Jonah, there may be some things we don't want to do. 
But that's the very thing you're putting on our heart to do. And until we obey, we're not going to have peace about it. And in fact, you may, be, you may bring discipline in our lives to, to teach us to obey you in that matter. Lord, we thank you for this little book in the Old Testament, tucked away in the pages of the Minor Prophets. And how it's going to reveal to us that you have the people of the world on your heart too. And those who know you are to be a witness to those who don't. Father, we do pray for these in our church family who need our prayers right now. Uh, Al is so sick and Gene is just so torn up about how bad off he has gotten with, with COVID and how concerned she is. Uh, Lord, give her peace. And I do pray that you give his doctors daily guidance to stay on top of how his body is responding that they would make needed adjustments and they'd be quick to do those things that he needs. Lord, you're the great physician, so we ask you to, to give wisdom to earthly physicians. Lord, we do pray that you would bring him through this. Father, we want to pray for uh, Sharon Bass and Shanna Lapish their recovery this week that uh, day by day that they would have renewed strength for Charlie as he faces surgery on Friday give him peace and we pray that you would guide the physician's hands as they operate and that there would be no complications in the surgery Lord for Izzy continue to work in this young lady's life as Ned has shared with us so many times that uh, her, her sin and disobedience got her in a mess. And she could have even been in a life-threatening situation. We thank you that she sees that. And she has turned to you. Lord, continue to work in her life and as she's getting counseling, we just pray that, that uh, you would strengthen her and help her to look back and see your mighty hand and how you've watched over her. And Lord, I pray that she would surrender everything to you and that she would live for you. We pray that you'd strengthen Phyllis as she's had a tough time lately. And uh, help them to get her medications worked out as well. Lord, for this little 10-year-old, Brooklyn, fighting cancer, we don't understand why some people face what they do. But we do know that you're a providential God. Things are not out of control. You have a plan and a purpose. Even when you answer our prayers by the answer of no or not yet, you, you still answer Lord, we pray for this young lady. We pray for her parents. 
Lord, just be a shepherd to them through this. We do pray for her healing. Lord, we pray for these families that have lost loved ones. As far as I know, in each and every case, the families do have the blessed assurance of knowing that their loved one was saved. But they still grieve. They grieve as those who have the hope, though, of knowing that their loved one is with Jesus. But Lord, help these families uh, to recover from this loss. For Cindy Perry, Lord, as she fights COVID with her lupus issues and a compromised immune system. Lord, we pray that you would undergird her. I know that she and Matt and their children must be very concerned as I'm sure Phil and, and Shirley are. Lord, bring healing to her body and I pray that the medications they give her would be very effective. For Amanda Hyatt, same situation there with the COVID and complications. Lord, we pray for Mary Ann's continued recovery. We pray for Ned as he travels. Watch over him. For Chuck, who's feeling so lonely and isolated. I pray that even tonight in here, men would uh, reach out to Chuck and call him and Just be a friend to him, a Christian brother. Lord, for the Lottie Moon Gold, help us to financially support missionaries who have answered that call to go to distant lands and to go to a people group that in many cases, some of them have little to no exposure to the gospel. And yet we have people right here in our church that have adjusted their lives and answered the call and gone out into the unknown knowing God that you hold the unknown you hold the future and they're entrusting their care and their ministry to you Lord the least that we can do is help support them financially and so I pray that our people would give generously and sacrificially. Now this week, help us to live with eyes and ears open to situations and people around us where we can make a difference for Christ. For it's in His name that we pray. Amen. God bless you. Have a good week. What's left of it?